Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Shalom. Welcome to Daily Daf Differently. I'm Rabbi Joshua Heller. Today we're, stu- we're studying Masechet Eruvin, Daf Chet, Amun Aleph, and Bet. That's Tractate Eruvin, 8A and B. We're still talking about how to turn a public area into a private area for the purpose of being able to transport things through that area on Shabbat. Our focus on this daf, continued from the previous, is a mavoi, a semi-public street that opens to Rashut Harabim, a public thoroughfare, on one end, but then on the back end opens into another kind of space. This type of space could be a chaser, a courtyard with homes opening into it, or a rechava, an open space with no inhabitants. It could even be a trash heap or a body of water. All agree that the front end of the Mavoy, which opens into the Rashut Harabim, the public space, needs to be adjusted. But the question is whether the back of the Mavoy is considered to be open or closed, depending on which of the above the back of the Mavoy opens into. On the last stuff, we tried to explain apparently contradictory views of Rav Yehuda and Rav, but in the end, we're able to reconcile them. We conclude that they are agreeing that we are talking about a Mavoy open to a courtyard which has no Eruv. One may not carry, but that if there is an Eruv, one may carry. We'll examine in more detail, though, the question of a Mavoy that is open into a Rechava, an uninhabited, wide space. And the question we really wrestle with is whether the Mavoy and the Rechava are fully open to each other, or one is wider than the other. Do we recognize these as being truly separate spaces, or do the spaces seem to be continuous because of how they're configured? We also wrestle with the Rechava, whether it is considered to be like an individual space, or like a shared space. And we make an analogy to a trash heap, called an ashpa. A trash heap owned by an individual might be moved or cleaned up without notice, whereas a public trash heap is not likely to be cleared away anytime soon. Similarly, an open walled space that is owned by an individual, that individual might take down the wall at any time, thus opening the mavoi, while an open space that is owned communally will probably not be changed without notice. So what we're saying is that when you have a mavoi, this kind of semi-public street, that opens up in the back to an independently privately owned area, we're concerned that the owner of that area might in fact open it up or modify it, whereas if it's an uninhabited area that's owned by a number of people, the theory is that a group, are not one person is not going to move unilaterally. We come to really a fascinating question of whether a shoreline or water can be used as an Eruv boundary. And this is an issue that is actually very common in Eruvin today. We're told that in the city of Sura, the scholar Maremar put up nets between a mavoy and the shore. So in other words, he is saying that the shore 
is not necessarily a sufficient boundary to create an Eruv. Now, in this case, the shore was probably actually a riverbank because Sura was not on a lake or an ocean. And the issue here is that you would think that the shore font would be a great physical barrier, but the water doesn't actually count as a boundary. It's actually a matter of what the land sloping underneath it does. For the shore to be a barrier suitable to be an Eruv, you need to have a drop of 10 Tevachim, that's about 40 inches, within a distance of 4 Amot, which is 6-7 feet. This distance, this slope, is called a Tel Hamitlaket in Eruv talk. Now that's very easy to accomplish if you have a man-made seawall or a natural cliff. But in real life, shorelines change in their slope all the time as tides and waves move the sediments. And it's actually fairly hard to get a sandy beach that is at that slope along the waterline. And this is actually relevant today um, because often people will assume that the shoreline can be part of an Eruv without any further steps. A famous example of this was the Manhattan Eruv. So for many years, it was taken as a given that Manhattan could be considered a natural Eruv because its shore, it was surrounded by water on all sides. Um, lately, the popular view has tended to be that one can't be positive that in fact the shore is of sufficient slope everywhere on the island. There are other concerns as well, but that is one of the reasons why people have gone to construct a ravine on the island of Manhattan rather than just considering the whole island to be a natural Eruv. Another very interesting question raised by the staff is what is the point of the Korah, the beam that blocks off the Eruv, or some of these other architectural features that denote an Eruv? The question is, are these beams meant to be a true partition, a mechitza, or merely a reminder, a heker? Is this a real physical boundary, or is this a spiritual conceptual boundary? So the question comes out first when you talk about a mavoi with an uneven opening. One wall sticks out further into the main street than the other does. You have to put your korah, your crossbeam, at the entrance of the mavoi. Do you put it across a diagonal from the furthest end of each wall, the long wall and the short wall, or do you take it from the end of the shorter wall to whatever point that matches up to on the longer wall, cutting off a triangle of space that only is along one of the walls. One way of understanding the question is that it's an issue of the diagonal being longer, because the maximum length for such a beam is ten amot, and so if the mavui is ten amot wide or close to it, and then you take a diagonal across that distance of ten amot, that diagonal is going to be even longer. But really the question at hand is whether the beam is meant to be a true partition, a mechitza, or merely a reminder. Because after all, on the one hand, from the perspective of a partition, a mechitza, a diagonal is as much a partition as one that is on the plumb that is perfectly perpendicular. On the other hand, a beam, a korah, that runs diagonally might not be as recognizable as a reminder. Because after all, if you're standing at the front of the Maboy, you see one of the walls and the beam, the Korah, but you're not really tuned in to where the other wall is. We can apply this same dispute as to whether the beam is a Heker, a reminder, or a Mechitza, a true separation, when we look at the question of whether the area under the beam is considered to be inside or outside the Eruv. 
And it turns out that whether you want to argue that the area under the beam is inside or outside, you can justify your answer by claiming that the beam is a heker or a mechitza. And so for the moment, we'll leave open the question of what that beam is actually doing. Is it making a real physical distinction between two spaces? Or is it creating a conceptual barrier rather than a physical one? I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.